With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, Victoria. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And you're, can you so, tell me how to pronounce your name so I get it right? Is it Adnan? Yeah, that's great. That's great okay. pronunciation. Yeah, so uh, welcome to the Ozark Mountain Authors, uh, Ozark Mountain Publishing Author Series. And uh, so we're doing these interviews with the different authors to talk about uh, their books and how they came about to write them, because everyone has a beginning and a story of what what caused what. And so this would be a great opportunity to do that. So um, if uh, you could, uh, just before we go, it was, um, you've written Being in a Body, uh, Sleeping Phoenix, and Sleep Magic, correct? Correct. Okay, good deal. So I figured uh, let's start out a little bit with your background, and then uh, we'll get uh, into your books then. Okay. Um, My background, as it pertains to writing these books, uh, began, hmm, I had a a disease. It's called um, diffuse progressive systemic sclerosis. It's also known as scleroderma. And it is fatal and it is incurable. To this day, there's still no cure for it. Um, I don't have it anymore. I, I, some people might say I just lucked out. I, don't, <laughs> I got better. Other people don't. No, nobody does actually, um, but me. And it started me that that journey of my own illness. Um, started me because there was no cure for it i began to seek alternative healers and look for help in that way and i was i learned a lot i learned about energy i learned about vibration i learned about all sorts of things and uh, eventually one day after i was released from to go to the hospital once a month for these treatments that didn't cure anybody but me um, and one day I came home from one of the, the last treatment. They said they were shutting down the study because, in fact, no one had been cured. And they fully expected me to die because I was off the treatment. And I came home that day and I had a, my, one of my sisters came to sort of welcome me back. And also she thought I was going to die. So she had been at my house to sort of soothe me. And I didn't need any soothing. I, I knew I was well. I just knew I was well. So we had a few words. I went inside, and the few words among them were words about both my father and my grandfather. And 
she had implied when she spoke that there had been incest in the family. And that's the last thing I remember about my conversation with her, because the next thing I remember is that I was standing in my kitchen watching a kind of a slideshow of my life from the time I was very, very young um, up until that point. And in fact, I saw what had happened, which apparently my body had been carrying around because the body, and this is what I write about, <laughs> the body doesn't forget anything. <laughs> the body remembers everything. You may not mentally remember things, but the body never forgets. And so I watched this slideshow and I went into a sort of a state of shock, I guess. I contacted all my siblings. I said, you know, this is what happened. And they're like, oh, well, I wasn't going to talk about it, but, and it turned out to have been a very familial issue. And at that point, I began seeing a different kind of therapist because I needed some help processing to some degree. And one thing led to another. And I ended up one day, was in my room, I was doing my yoga, which I have done every morning for heaven knows how many years, 30, 40 years. And a, the room filled with a gigantic light. And the light, the light talked. And it sort of it sort of blew me off my feet. And I was kind of lying back against um, the bed. And it said, now you have to take what you have learned and help others. And then it went away. And I just kind of sat there and watched as a lot of sort of slimy things seemed to leave my body and slide across the floor and go out the window. And I was in a kind of a state of shock. And I said, who is this? And the voice said, I am an embodiment of the light and disappeared. Well, I had just been, it looked to me like I had just been kind of depossessed or something because all these just slimy, horrible looking things leaving my body, literally coming out of my body and going across the, the floor and out the window. And that began me on this journey of, I, I, I enrolled in um, a theological school for a four-year program because I figured <clears throat> I can't just go out there and say, oop, oop, over here, I'm a healer. So I and studied and learned things and experienced things and did a lot of healing with people myself because of the sort of mental trauma. Um, here, here these these are my hands. You can. This is this is my range of motion. <laughs> Not much, um, but that's the result of the disease. My whole body had been crippled like that. I could barely move when I had the disease. But now there's just this left, which I think is sort of, so I can show people, no, honest, I really had the disease here. You know, look at this. <laughs> and that's sort of how my journey began. And I, I, I got, I went through the, I went through, I got a doctor of divinity degree. I became an ordained minister. I went through all the levels of Reiki and took Reiki, Reiki mastership because I, I felt I couldn't just walk up to people and go, hey, I'm a healer, come on over here. And 
so between my own personal journey through this background that was revealed to me in that as that movie reel sort of unfolded as I stood there startled um, between that and working as a healer I began to really kind of embody the healing process. Um, it was happening to me. I was helping other people do it. And then one night, some years into my practice, the, I, I got another voice. This one was in a dream. And it said that, it said, this, I'm going to tell you how to do this. You need to get up as soon as I finish telling you this and write this down, then you need to tell all your clients how to do it because not all your clients have a lot of money. They don't, they can't afford to see you all the time. They need something that can help them help themselves. And so I lit. And when it was over, I got up and I wrote down everything the voice told me, which is the sleep magic technique. I call it sleep magic because <laughs> it happens when you're asleep. And it certainly seemed like magic to me. And, and I, I knew as I did it that, I mean, I was earning an income from being a healer. And I thought, well, here goes nothing because <laughs> I want to teach people how to heal themselves. And so, you know, I don't know what will happen to me as a, as a hands-on healer person. And I, I just had to trust. I've... I learned as a child that I couldn't really trust the outside world very much. Um, I mean, I, the, oh, the worst of my abuse came at the hands of my own grandparents who marketed my sister and I. We were about oh, four, five, six at the time. And, um, and they, they marketed us. They trafficked us. And that was one of the things that my body had been holding on to that it wasn't telling me about because it would have blown my mind um, almost literally. I had, to, I had to apparently be prepared for this journey. And so that's what the scleroderma was probably all about um, and the necessity of healing from that. And nothing happens for no reason. And so I think that a lot of that was to get me to this point where I could in fact channel this technique essentially in sleep and then start teaching it to people. And after I started teaching it to people and seeing the results they were having, and yes, I lost business, but I became a different kind of a counselor then. I was a, like a mentor to people. You know, just, you know, just give me a call. What are you having trouble with? And that's what I do now. Um, and, I, and I write. <laughs> I write a lot. <laughs> so um, that's how I got to be doing what I'm doing currently is, is via that strange, complex trip through abuse and illness and just growing as a person. The past four years, five years, have been particularly challenging for me as um, there was a man who was in public office who was just like my grandfather's friends and my grandfather, very wealthy, 
man who my grandfather was, money was all he cared about. And he was willing to sacrifice his two, two of his children who happened to look a little more brown than his other children <laughs> because my father um, was Cuban. And my sister and I looked more like my father than we did like my Germanic mother. And we were expendable. That's why we got marketed. He didn't view us as people. So that's why that happened. But again, everything I think happens for a reason. And I think that this, uh, the past five years for me have allowed so much of my past to come vividly present again, like vividly, much like that first thing happened with the, the sort of film. So I'm getting a message that tells me we're not connected. Are you hearing me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Uh, you just um, It was just going a bit slow, but it's, okay. it's still, you're there. Okay. Um, so th basically then is, uh, um, and forgive me my ignorance, so the sleep magic then, is it mainly about how to um, just take in what your dreams tell you? Or forgive me, what, what is it specifically no, I, about? I will happily explain it. It, it. it might, your dreams might become involved, but they don't necessarily. They don't have to. Um, what sleep magic does, because when you're, when you're asleep, of course, it's your, it's your subconscious and your unconscious that are more available than your conscious. So the, the goal is, let's say I have an issue. I have an, um, I'm choking up every time I go to public speak or something like that. That doesn't happen to me, but it's a, it's a thing. So I would say to my body, I would have a discussion with my body prior to falling asleep and say, listen, I know that you know that I've been having trouble speaking up in public. And I'm guessing that there's a reason for that. And I'm guessing that you might be holding on to information that's creating this situation for me where I can't speak in public. and." I, and I wouldn't say can't, by the way, where I fail to be able to speak in public is what I would say, because the body does not understand negatives. The body only knows what is. It doesn't know what isn't. <laughs> so you have to phrase everything in a very positive way. Even if it's a negative seeming thing, you can't know and not and don't are words that are to be avoided when speaking with the body. So you present your issue, as it were, to your body, and you give your body permission then to let of whatever it's holding on to, to the degree that it's comfortable doing so. So some issues might take longer to completely release than others. Mine took years. Mine literally took years to release, but they did. Thanks to the stimulus from this unpleasant man that was in the public eye for four years or so, five years. Because that stimulus got to my body. It got to me. I, I was experiencing anxiety just from the sound of his voice. And that actually helped because then my body was, was like letting me know, holding on to stuff. 
<laughs> I'm like, okay, because this shouldn't be triggering me if I'm if I'm free of it. But it was. And, and um, so the past few years have been fascinating for me. I've learned a lot, and it is is within. Um, I guess I began my books even before that. So I've learned a lot since I've written the books, and um, I'm hoping to uh, write more at this point. So then basically it's the concept of before you go to sleep to kind of have this conversation with your body and, and kind of ask it what it is that you would like to, for it to kind of get over. Yes. Essentially you have to, you have to give it permission because the body's job is to keep you safe, is to keep you alive. That's all the body cares about is this person needs to be alive. What do I need to be wary of in order to keep this person alive? Well, I'm no longer five years old. My body does not need to be wary of me being sexually trafficked. So I, you know, but that said, that's a big deal. Um, eating too many potatoes at one sitting is not a big deal by comparison. That might, your body might let go of that a lot more easily. Um, so it, it depends on the, the depth and the seriousness of the issue at hand. But once your body, your body, when you, once you start talking to your body, once you develop a relationship with your body, the more you keep that up, the more your body trusts you. It's just bound to happen. We're not even taught as children to have a relationship with our bodies. We are taught that we are our bodies, but we're not. We're a soul or spirit being, whatever you might want to call it, that is chosen to inhabit a given body and the life that will come along with that body to learn things. And among the things that nobody teaches you you need to learn is that you are not your body. And you need to have a healthy relationship with your body. So is that a, a, so then saying that there is a body consciousness that it has, that has its own, I guess, is it safe to say a limited awareness that uh, interacts with you or only knows how to interact with you? The, its awareness is in, in interaction is with me. Yes, but it can concern the outside world. You know, it's concerned. The body's concern is what's happening outside of it. <laughs> right. It, its concern is itself, is keeping itself alive. <laughs> so, and so, well, what I wanted to ask is um, if you could maybe, it's very interesting to know um, how did you learn about that, that body consciousness awareness? Well, that's what the voice that came to me in my dream told me about. It told me that. It told me that I have, I have to assume, because I can't know it was a dream, but it, I have to assume that it was my body talking to me, explaining to me that it had a separate consciousness and that that needed to be addressed. Because all the healing I was doing with people was your typical hands-off, hands-off, <laughs> hands-on energetic mm -hmm. healing. And um, you certainly you have your hands on the body, but 
there was no concept that the body had a life of its own that was separate from the life of the spirit slash soul being that inhabits the body. So that's what the voice had to get across to me. And so then uh, what, so basically is, is that the main, um, main idea is to simply just talk to your body or is there more, more steps, more things to consider? Well, it's, it's deeper than just talking to your body because as I explained before, you have to be, when you're actually asking the body for help, you have to be very um, specific in how you're doing that, which is why I wrote the books. Because you can't just say, body, you can't do this anymore. You can't say can't because the body doesn't understand can't. So there's a sort of an art to the language, which is why I wrote the books. And, um, and I give so many examples of how, in the books, how to phrase things that might be difficult to phrase uh, when you're trying to work around a touchy subject, for instance. Well, can you maybe uh, give me an example, if, if possible? Like, let's say, um, using your example about uh, be having that fear, that anxiety speaking in public, how, how would a communication like that occur? Okay. Well, first I would, first I would sort of connect with my body and address and say, no, hi, it's it's me again talking talking to you tonight. And I know we had a good day and dinner was great and maybe I ate a little too much, so I apologize for that. But uh, I was wondering if you could help me with this issue I'm having because it seems that every time I get up to speak in public, I kind of shut down. And I don't have any trouble talking to you and I don't have any trouble talking to my family. Now I've just used don't, but here I'm not talking about the assignment itself. I'm talking about me. So I could, I probably just to keep people on track to say, I can easily talk to my family and I can easily talk to my friends where I'm having trouble talking is when I stand up in front of an audience and there I shut down. So I was wondering if there's something that you might be holding on to that you could perhaps let go of in order to allow me to speak in public, because I would very much enjoy that. And when we're in public, when we're up on a stage like that, we're, we're, the, we're the show. We, we, people are paying attention to us. Only good things can happen up there. So if there's something that you're holding on to that I've perhaps forgotten about from a long time ago, you have my absolute 100% permission to just let that go. Because guess what? I'm all grown up now. You're all grown up now. The chances of anything like that happening are very slim. Very slim indeed. Plus, we're clever enough now to be able to shut that person down which may perhaps as a child, we might not have been. So any help you can give me would be much appreciated. Thank you so much. I love you. So it's a, you're having a conversation with your body. And so maybe, then, you get a dream, maybe you get a dream in response that's like vividly, maybe you're talking on stage and people are throwing things at you in the dream, which is of course the sort of thing that the body might be afraid of. If that happens, you know one thing. You would know that your body got the message, that your body is indeed afraid, 
and that perhaps your body's not ready to let go yet because it didn't it didn't have you like it didn't let you sleep through the night pleasantly it kind of woke you up and said no no i'm terrified if that happens you might the next night go in have a little gentle opening with your body say it seems like you had some trouble with that request i gave you last night so if you could, could perhaps you could um let me remember what it is that that you're you're dwelling on because i know you know everybody knows i think every once in a while you'll be walking along somewhere and all of a sudden a memory will pop into your head almost out of nowhere and it's not out of nowhere of course it's out of your subconscious so you're essentially give your body permission to perhaps release to you some subconscious memories that might be holding on to or you know wherever they might be just give it permission say i know you i know you did what you could and thank you for that but perhaps we could try again uh with you letting me know what's standing in our way and you could perhaps maybe even let go of what's standing in our way and then see what happens that night so that i then i understand now so the dream part is vital in in that you then getting response or at least Getting it's an not, inkling of a response. It's it's not vital. Um, it mm. what it can do is, it, as you said, give you an inkling that the body yeah. knows. So it's sort of like a validation. If the dream is related, you you've got validation that it worked. You don't need validation that it worked. Um, the validation that it worked is that it works, <laughs> and you see that it worked. <laughs> But then that may take time. It may take, you know, maybe be days before whatever you talked about even comes up in your life. Um, mm -hmm. But as long as you don't have a nightmare or something terrifying, it's working. If you have a nightmare or something terrifying, then you know the body's not ready. It's simply not ready. And the next night, you probably want to apologize for putting so much on your body's plate. And, and Is it, uh, can you just continue asking you know, until it finally understands that it's okay? Given time, yes. But it's one of those things like where you don't you don't want to push someone that doesn't want to do something. So you let them you let them process their experience. Like for instance, let's say you want to go ride on a horse, and your horse uh, threw you off because it was a, a, not a good not a good horse, not a horse that was trained to have somebody on its back, and. What you, what you might do then with that horse is, because you've heard the phrase, get back on the horse, it's the same kind of thing. You let a couple days go by, then you then you comb the horse a little bit, and then you get to know the horse, and then you, you might pet it a little bit, and then the next day you might put, try putting a saddle on the horse and see how the horse responds. And so you, you treat the body with much the same kind of respect for its um, insistence on doing its job, because that's what it thinks it's doing when it when it when it refuses to let go of something or it's afraid of letting go of something and you're gentle with it like you would be with any you know four-legged animal or or a child even so then um what would be kind of a good segue then to include then what what caused then was it the result of this that you had to write more about, or are these different books different from the original um, uh, sleep magic idea? Um, they they progress a little. Uh, the 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 first the original sleep magic book is uh, a lot of assignments primarily, and the sleeping phoenix 
just expands on it a little more as I've expanded on it a little more when you ask me to, you know, address this, address that. So, and each of the books, the first book has in it assignments, I call them, that I created to help people get started. And they're assignments that deal with um, what I call life before life. So they deal with when your mother was carrying you in utero, because when your mother's carrying you in utero, you're picking up everything your mother's taking in. And that goes for what she's thinking and what she might be scared of and all those things. So that first book has all these assignments that are related to clearing your body of that very first primary input. And the second book, The Sleeping Phoenix, addresses the first seven years of life. So it addresses time when you might not be fully aware, like a lot of people don't remember what went on around them when they were five or six years old. So this book addresses the possibilities of things that might have happened that are not necessarily you're conscious of, but they might be there. So you're kind of, you're, you're kind of clearing the way so that you can get to the point where you're in your present day dealing with your present self. And then that, that, that's why being in a body follows those, because being in a body then introduces you to this concept that we've been speaking about. Oh, got it. So is there, I think uh, what would be nice, maybe uh, actually like the number one thing that's been you know always ailing, especially the United States, um, what about, uh, is there something you could speak to or a process to, let's say, um, obesity or overeating? Because a lot of oh. people always, always on their minds, like every year, everyone is going on a diet. And every time you talk to somebody, there's a diet going on somewhere, somehow. And so I figured this is kind of like the number one thing that all of us always talk about. If there's something that you could maybe speak to that to give more examples that someone could understand and relate to. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm kind of embarrassed that, that I haven't addressed that in my books because it's a thing for me that was not a problem. It wasn't a thing in my family that, that showed up. And so kind of outside of my realm. And uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up. That's, that's a great thing. I'll have to think about that. And, but the way that, that you would begin to address that is, would depend a little bit on, on the person's um, comfort level with their own weight, because I have to imagine, and I can only imagine, because that's never been an issue of mine. Um, so I can only imagine that if a person eats more than they should, or in the case of anorexics, less than they should, um, there's something, there is something going on at a very core level. And you'll want to be cautious in addressing the body that you're not insulting the body because you're eating because you're hungry. You're eating because you think you're hungry or you actually are hungry. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, it's a need and it's physical and it's coming from inside you. So I think the place to begin with that would simply be Speaking in terms of uh, the fact that you perhaps don't know why you're eating too much or too little, and 
that you know that the body knows. So I think the first thing I would do, I believe, is have that discussion with my body, not even ask for any help on the first, the first night I approached it. I'd just have a discussion with my body that day about the fact that the body must, must, be, must know something or must be holding on to something that's allowing me to eat in a way that is perhaps less than desirable for the health of itself. So, and, and I would just introduce the body to the concept that you're going to address this because nothing could be more personal. It's you. <laughs> and, um, it, and, and it may be dependent. There may be outside influences involved. Many people who are heavy set, for instance, come from families where it's just the thing. Eating is the thing and the whole family is, is heavy. And then you, then you get to address the family one at a time. You know, I know that you know that, you know, dad sits up there and, and, and consumes an entire half a lamb at dinner. And I, I know that, that you may be influenced by that and you need to know that I'm, I'm concerned about our health in those matters. And I'd like you to help me attain a state of mind that would be healthy for you so that we know what's appropriate for us to eat for what's good for us to eat. Right? Because of course you're trying to avoid no's and nots and can'ts. So you don't want to say, you don't want to keep talk about not doing this and not doing that. You have to address everything in a positive term. So you might say, what might be a good idea one night would be to say to the body that you'd like to adopt a more healthy diet and that perhaps it could let go of anything that it might be holding on to that would stand in the way of you developing a healthy diet, of you looking at new foods to eat that might be really helpful for the body. I would think a body would love that just because it's helping the body be healthy. That's, yeah, that would be, that would be interesting because, um, because you don't know, because, Based on just the general, um, you know, spirituality, and most people that I always heard talk about these different things, some say it's used as a protection. You feel some kind of fear, so you you are creating a buffer around yourself. You know, um, you know, others, you know, would say that you know it's um, baggage you're holding on to. You know, but then others you know, would also say, well, it's just there to help you ground you better. You know, and there's like all these different <laughs> varieties and different things that I guess un un until you start talking to yourself and the body to figure it out. Reminds me of that one, um, what was that one, one funny quote? It says, um, um, oh, something like, uh, um, if, if I want a professional opinion or if I want a, what is it called? Something along the lines, like if, if I, if I want a professional opinion, I talk to myself or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I'm butchering the quote. It's a lot more clever and, and funnier said the other way. I just can't remember it exactly right now. Well, in a sense, sleep magic is talking to yourself, except what you're doing is listening to your body. <laughs> right. That's the goal is that you're not the you're not the you're not the important one here. You you need to listen, as is often the case with so many things. <laughs> but it's uh, never been the case that the body then will go against of what you want. It's just I mean it'll, it'll overreact from purpose. the sounds of it. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's not, it's never on purpose. The body, right. again, the body's main drive is to be alive. And I, I, and one would suppose that it's also to be healthy and alive. Because the body, right. the body, what feels pain? It's your body that feels pain. <laughs> Nobody right. likes that. Nobody likes that. <laughs> well, Victoria, so are there any kind of uh, final thoughts that you, you know, that are kind of all encompasses, all encompassing and um, things that you just want to leave us with uh, here at the end? I think the main, the main thing I've learned over the years is this understanding this bowing to the fact that I am a spiritual being in a physical body and that that is what people are and it's the most important thing to know. We're all here. We've taken on body to learn what that's like about what, what, what physical life is like. And I think that's the, that's the, most, that's the most critical thing, is that you, people, people just, they don't think of themselves as a being within a being. They, th they think of themselves as, this is it, this is the whole, this is the whole show here. But the whole show is multi-layered, it's multifaceted, and the body deserves so much respect, especially for someone like me. I mean, with all the illnesses that I've been through, it's ridiculous. Um, and a lot of people will just be irritated or angry that they've been through this. This is your body processing some stuff. And you have, you have to have respect for that because a lot of the stuff it's processing is yours, <laughs> is the spirit soul stuff that it's going through because you came here to experience life. So that to me is the thing that, that has impacted me most in doing this work and having things revealed to me. It's, it, it's a life changer. Well, great. Well, uh, Victoria, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to have um, all your links uh, in the description below this video. And uh, do, do you just uh, want to give your website or some other things that you uh, might think people might find interesting to uh, point them to, to in that direction now? Um, I actually, my web, the only website uh, that I have is uh, an art, one for my art, one for my paintings. I have written the books and I, I trust Ozark has my information on, on their website because again, I don't have a website for this work. I, I'm not, I haven't been looking for one. People, people, people find me. If they want me, they find me. <laughs> so I know I'm definitely, so what I'm seeing on the site now that I will also include in the description below, there's one um, healing power of art and artists and uh, Victoria Pendragon paints. Okay. Victoria Pendragon paints. That's, that is the art. That is my art website. That's where my paintings are. Um, and and so, Victoria Pendragon paints.com. I believe it is. And uh, what what about the first one I mentioned? Is that something also or no? Which the which the Victoria? What uh, was the first it's um, I just have it under healing power of art and artists. I think 
I am not sure. I believe that I am have I there. Are, I believe that's a many artists, and I think I probably have a little feature spot there or something. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then I know which one. And um, um, uh, YouTube and Twitter, Facebook as well. I am on. I am on Twitter as um, I believe I'm trans transformative art at transformative art. I have to. I have to. Yeah, I'm I have, on, I have I'm some on links here. Just um, um, wanted to make sure. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Just trans, trans, uh, transformative, uh, Can't speak today. Transformative <laughs> RT. Yeah, that's the one I had trouble getting out myself. It's because it. it's spelled funny, but it's transformative TVRT. Right. Okay. All right. Good deal. Well, good thing that uh, people don't have to sit there trying to write it all down. As I mentioned, <laughs> all in the description below. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it for uh, taking the time. I'm glad we were able to make this happen and um, I hope to talk to you soon. Oh, thank you so much, Adnan. I enjoyed talking with you. All right, You're very patient. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you.